You can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12. That's where we're going to start, I believe. It was 1957. There was no such thing in movies as CGI. Nonetheless, the blowing up of the bridge in the film, The Bridge Over the River Kwai, is a masterpiece of destruction. They really blew it up, and it only, uh, they only had one take to get it right, obviously. You can probably think of at least one famous bridge-blowing scene from the movies. Blowing up bridges is a timeless military strategy to hinder the progress of your enemy. It's so effective, it's even used by supernatural forces against believers who are pressing forward, gaining ground with the gospel. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 and 18, the Apostle Paul tells the church at Thessalonica, he wanted to return to them, but that Satan hindered him. That word hindered means breaking up the road and putting up obstacles. Satan had effectively blown up the bridge getting back to Thessalonica. Satan not only hindered Paul in his mission, he tried to hobble him. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, we read, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. If Satan hindered and tried to hobble Paul, he and his forces will attempt to do the same to us. Now, Paul's commission was to take the gospel to the Gentiles, but he always started his ministry among Jews. The local synagogue was the place where the Old Testament law was known and revered. Paul could get a sympathetic hearing in the synagogue uh, at least until persecution began. Furthermore, there were always many Gentile God-fearers in the synagogue, and through them Paul could begin a witness to the Gentiles and uh, through those Gentiles to the pagan Gentiles. Thessalonica was a particularly difficult theater of operations for Paul. He ministered in the synagogue for three Sabbaths. Many people believed in Jesus Christ and were saved. However, the non-believing Jews began to oppose the work, and Paul and his helpers had to leave the city. There's a lot of scholarly debate on whether he was only there for three weeks. He says he was only there for three Sabbaths, but some people say because of some other things that happened while he was there, he maybe had a ministry from outside the city or something like that. But I think, you know, it, it, typically we understand that he was there for a very, very short time before he was driven out of town. Concerned about the state of these fledgling believers, Paul desired to return. But as we've said, and this is 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 and 18 now, but we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. The first thing to note and, and I think it's pretty amazing before we get into the warfare aspect of this exactly, is that the devil marshaled his vast resources against Paul and two of his traveling companions. Three humble men going unnoticed by the Roman government, bearing no letters of authority, holding no earthly positions, nevertheless commanded the attention of the devil himself and his demons. Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing, this treasure that we have in earthen vessels, this gospel, this good news, the power of God unto salvation, and, and the devil takes note of it. Now, their presence in Thessalonica had already saved many. 
and was spreading from the believers there throughout the entire region. The devil had done all he could to get Paul driven from there, yet the gospel had still taken hold and was growing. What might happen if Paul were to return to Thessalonica to further strengthen those on-fire believers? And so the devil therefore set out to hinder Paul from returning, and you know what? He was successful. Notice this was not the providential action of God. And by that I mean we read of other occasions where God, by the Holy Spirit, forbid Paul from going certain places. In the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, it says, And we were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And then it says, And when we essayed to go into Bithynia, the Holy Ghost forbade us. Apparently, Paul could discern when God was closing doors of ministry and when it was Satan who was hindering the progress. All I can suggest as to how is that there needs to be a discernment of the Spirit. You need to grow, I need to grow, sensitive to feel the leading of God the Holy Spirit and know immediately when you're being blocked by a deceiving, destructive spirit. Paul doesn't tell us how he knew this or if the Lord told him these things, but he had an understanding as a, a man who walked with the Lord when the Spirit was forbidding him and, and leading him by forbidding him to go certain places and when the devil was attacking him and he was being hindered by Satan. Now, there's a lot of speculation about exactly how the devil hinder, hindered Paul. A lot of it centers on, or the suggestion is, a lot of it surrounds the persecution that, that he brought against Paul. But Paul, Paul's not a guy that cares about persecution. I mean, he gets stoned to death at one point, drug out of the city, and when he rises from the dead, he says, let's go back there and talk to those guys. This will be great. Wait until they see me. Uh, you know, he's, he's so, uh, you know, so all the speculation is just that, speculation. We're not told exactly what Satan did to hinder Paul, only that Paul was unable to return. It was his desire to return, but the devil hindered him. W.A. Criswell, renowned Southern Baptist pastor and leader, once preached on this text, and he said these things. He says, I look down on this bed, and there's a child, 11 years old. The child is wasted away. It's a skeleton, soon to die. Polio, that dread disease. Satan has hindered us. Here's a beautiful fellowship, a church of Jesus, and they're divided and torn asunder. Satan has hindered us. Here's a fine, strong, and beautiful Christian working for the Lord, and now cut down and in pain and in misery and in ill health. Satan has hindered us. Here's a noble, wonderful family all torn apart. Satan has hindered us. How many areas? In how many ways? There he stands, and there he is, our adversary, the accuser of the brethren who accuses them night and day. Now, the overwhelming import of this text, of this word hinder, is to alert us that spiritual warfare is something very real, and it can be severe. Satan might blow up a bridge that you have come to depend upon or that you believe is essential for your life and testimony. You know, some of you could give a testimony like that. You could say, yeah, I could put it in those terms. Uh, this bridge of mine got blown to smithereens, and, and, and it was most definitely not the Lord. It was the devil. How do we respond? Well, first of all, don't stop praying, especially because Paul knew it was the devil hindering him. He prayed day and night. It says in 1 Thessalonians 3.10, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face 
and perfect what is lacking in your faith. And so he's being hindered. He knew it was the devil. It was a satanic strategy. Exactly what it was, we don't know. But Paul said, I'm going to fight this with prayer night and day. And it's a reminder to us that prayer can change circumstances. Since God had not said no, Paul kept shelling Satan and his forces with prayer. You remember when Daniel prayed, a demon hindered God's messenger angel for 21 days before he could get to Daniel. I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking it too. My hindrance has been going on longer than three weeks. I mean, you think, hey, that's child's play compared to what I was going through or what I am going through. On one level, it isn't the timing that is as important as the understanding that there are things going on behind the scenes that we probably will never be privy to, and so we're just to continue to pray. Or as Dory might say if she were to be born again, just keep praying, just keep praying, 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 right? How many know who Dory is? All right. Just as important as prayer, persevere, and by that I mean press forward along other fronts in your warfare. Never forget Paul's overall strategy. He said in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In another place he said, this is Acts 20.24, scripture that my wife reminded me of this week, a very precious scripture, none of these things move me nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. None of these things move me. Our friend Pastor Don McClure has a little booklet uh, called None of These Things Move Me, and, and in it he asked, he asked the question, what would move you from your faith in Jesus Christ, from your devotion to Jesus Christ? And Paul says, nothing will move me. No satanic hindrance uh, can move me from that place. Uh, he pressed on. How do you defeat a guy like that? Well, you might try to hobble him. If, you, if hindering him doesn't stop him, let's hobble him. Remember Satan's second accusation against Job? Take away his health, he argued before the throne, and that guy will stop following God. And so in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 again, we read, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Paul had many visions and revelations. He saw Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus on the day he was saved. He had a vision when he was called to minister to the Gentiles. It was by a vision that he was sent to Macedonia. When things got tough in Corinth, God encouraged him with a vision. In the future, he would have other visions. After his arrest in Jerusalem, he had one. In the midst of the storm at sea that would leave him shipwrecked on Malta, he saw the Lord. Add to all these that Paul had spent some three years in the desert receiving teaching directly from the risen Lord. This word thorn is the translation of a word used of a tent peg or a large stake upon which you were tortured or impaled. And so it's not a sliver that you get from working with wood without gloves. This is a torture stake. In the flesh indicates it was most definitely a physical infirmity. 
There's a lot of argument and talk about what this was or who this was. But when he says it was in my flesh, I think it indicates it was definitely physical. And then there's a multitude of theories as to what it was. Again, we just don't know. Messenger of Satan means it was a satanic strategy designed to stop and stumble Paul. It doesn't mean it was a demon who oppressed Paul. Uh, you know, it is, it's similar to the situation with Job in the Old Testament. Satan desired to destroy Paul, and God let him reach through the hedge surrounding Paul. Uh, verse 8 says, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Paul immediately went to prayer. Remember that's what he had done in Thessalonica? He prayed repeatedly to be delivered from his infirmity. I would suggest that in his case, his motive was that he'd be better able to serve the Lord if he was free from that infirmity. Which leads us to our dilemma. Why does God weaken the hedge? Why does he show Satan the breaks in the hedge? Well, Paul doesn't tell us, but he does indicate something that can happen. It says in verse 9, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The homiling allowed the power of Christ to rest upon Paul. The word rest is our word tabernacle. Jesus Christ tabernacles or dwells with you in your suffering, in your infirmities. I can tabernacle with God at those times in a way I simply cannot if I remain unscathed. Let's call it the tabernacle of trouble, for lack of a better word. It's a building I probably would not enter on my own. You're out walking with the Lord, and he says, hey, what's that over there? Well, that's the tabernacle of trouble. And you want to go in there? Yeah, no, no thanks. Want to go over here to the tabernacle of coffee or whatever. You know? that's, that's just... Can we just spend some more time? And uh, But Paul says, hey, for whatever reason, I prayed, and God decided to answer this prayer in the negative. He allowed that breach in the hedge, this thorn in the flesh, and I was able to experience the tabernacle of trouble with the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil is willing to roll the dice, betting I'm not a modern-day Job. You'd think he would have learned his lesson, but, but he keeps... He keeps doing the same things over and over again. And so, if God defeated the devil with Job, Job continued to walk by faith. And Job, and, but the devil still comes back and he says, hey, I want to try this again with these guys. I'm going to try with Gene and Gino and Pat and with Rhett and with Mike and Alex. And I, I want to try it again because I'm betting that one of these people is going to fall away or at least grow bitter and quit serving you. It's been said many times to our Bible teachers, bitter or better, it's up to you to decide. Verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. Paul now lists a few other ways the devil was hindering him. He wasn't just breaking up the road on the way back to Thessalonica. He was re uh, suffering reproach, need, persecution, and distress for Christ's sake. This is like that scene in the movies where the hero is being tortured, but he responds to it as if he's really the one in charge, as if he's the uh, guy with the upper hand. If you have the liberty to watch the Avengers movie, you'll recall that Black Widow was being tortured by her captors when she got a phone call. She answered it saying, I'm in the middle of an interrogation here. 
as if she was in charge. Uh, to all practical purposes, it looked like she was being beat up, but she believed she was in charge. And you know what? She was. And so are we if we remember this is war and that hobbling us is something the devil is going to do as often as he is let through the hedge. When Jesus answered Paul, he realized that the infirmity was serving the purpose of keeping him humble, and he further realized that God's grace is always sufficient for every situation you face. Sufficient means adequate to provide contentment. It is adequate for me to learn in whatever state I am in to be content. If you're being hindered or hobbled, take heart in your tabernacle with Jesus. Pray until you receive an answer and always persevere. Amen.